everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Um, This is a very interesting episode. I, I feel like um, it's a, a serious topic that, um, you know, we've addressed some other serious topics and, and we get to from time to time. So um, I'm really excited to share with the listeners um we have two episodes um on this very topic that we're releasing and that's the first time i think that we've released two episodes about the same topic at the same time is that right yeah this is like uh kind of like opposing viewpoints i guess of uh well not really opposing viewpoints or more like two different approaches to the same topic i guess yeah and i i I think that is um really interesting that we get to do that as well because um with obesity that's our topic um you know people try so many different approaches i know i have um over time i've tried so many and you know, some will work better than others at different times. Um, So I I feel like with the two episodes that we're presenting, um, you know, a wider view of options that people have to think about. Yeah, it should be, should be interesting. Um, Our guest, you know, our guest tonight, Charles, he, how did, how do you know him? Was he a student of yours? So, um, I taught English, of course, but also I was uh, assigned journalism to teach uh, my very first year, um, and I had Charles in class, and um, so he, even at the early age of uh, being a freshman, wanted to you know, he had an interest in journalism and that's what he's gone on to do with his life. But, um, he, um, you know, that, that's how I met him. I had him for, uh, journalism. Wow. That's interesting. And was he, uh, was he a large person then? Because, you know, I, I mean, as, as I think back, I, I, he didn't stand out as, you know, out of the, right ordinary like you know someone said like who were the largest students you had or something ever you know he wouldn't instantly pop into my mind so um um i'll be curious to see like um over time what he felt like you know contributed to uh weight gain later in life all right excuse me yeah um yeah it should be an interesting episode uh 
Yeah. Um, I guess we'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, I want to acknowledge that it, you know, it's not easy to talk about. Um, Like times that you failed, I guess, um, you know, trying to lose weight and then maybe losing some and then gaining it back or more. And so I really, I really appreciate that he is willing to share and and be open with us about the topic. And, you know, he's not really, he's agreed to, you know, answer any questions and just be very transparent about it. So, um, you know, I I appreciate that. I I just want to say that before we start the interview. Sure. I I do as well. Uh, It should be pretty interesting to hear what, uh, you know, all the things he's been through and, uh, you know, where he's headed next. I mean, uh, I've heard there are some plans in the future, but maybe we'll get to hear what those are. But uh, Well, I mean, you know, if they're there, we're, we're going to, like, get to hear them. Because, <laughs> well, but we do, you know, we, like, bring out um, the things people don't tell everyone, but they tell us. Well, I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he's willing to share all that with us Uh Sounds like you will be, so uh, I guess we'll get started. And we are so excited to have with us today our guest, Charles Myrick. Charles, welcome to Backstory Sessions. Um, I want to thank you for um, being willing to share your story with all the listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, like, every year it seems like, at least, and I'm speaking from personal experience, but, um, you know, in general, I think a a lot of my friends, too, put weight loss on that list of New Year's resolutions. So, um, you know, how many times did you put it on a list? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm 43, so... (laughs) 30, probably. (laughs) I mean, ever since uh, weight, weight has always been an issue, so probably I realistically at least the last 20 years that's something i've looked at doing every year and so how many times um you know did you make a plan besides putting it on there like you know what are some of the ways that you intended to lose weight over the time um i've done a variety of things over the years um everything from um Weight Watchers, which was successful for me for about a, a year and a half, um, and I think I lost maybe 130 pounds with Weight Watchers. Wow! Um, and that was in 2003, going into 2004. And but since then, um, things kind of just snowballed. Really, I mean, I went from roughly 415 to 650 within a couple of years after that. And so I maintained over 600 pounds for a long time. And um, and then in more recent years, um, I always try to kind of you know cut back here and there. And I'll do better. I'll start Monday. I'll do better. You know, the, that typical thing. And, uh, and I got into the keto and the weight, the low-carb stuff, um, which has been helpful to me. And it still is helpful even now with what I went through. But... Um, you know, I've just I've done a variety of things. Some things work. Some things just aren't 
long-term, realistically manageable, um, sustainable to uh, live a normal life, really. Um, and so, you know, having gone through bariatric surgery, which is which I might add is something that I've tried to have, tried to get the surgery for uh, about 22 years. Oh wow! Yeah. So and, and what was the hold back there? Uh, usually insurance. Um, I had insurance a long time ago that covered it. Um, a lot of plans don't cover it. There's a lot of exclusions, um, a lot of restrictions. Um, and then the one plan I did have uh, in 2003 that covered it uh, had some ridiculous requirements as far as um, stuff that they needed to see before they would approve it. Um, stuff that, like, for example, they wanted you know, two 26-week medically supervised diets, but yet they didn't pay to, uh, for medical super, for weight loss supervision. Yeah. So, you know, that would have been a year of paying out of pocket completely to a doctor, which, you know, obviously is, is a bigger expense than than uh, insurance co-pays. So, essentially, they wanted you to lose weight before they would do the surgery? Yes, and substantial. Was a, I don't remember the total, but it was a, a substantial amount. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that went on for a long time. Had you pretty much just given up the hope that you would be able to have the surgery? Yeah, I really didn't think that I would ever have the opportunity um, every year when my works insurance um, would renew, you know, there's always a little bit of a policy change every year. I kept looking at the uh, benefits and the exclusions, and it just seemed to get more rigid um, as far as what they would cover, what they would not cover. And, um, and some insurance companies are kind of vague in, what, in, in how they approach it. Um, but my policy was ironclad. I had so many clinics and hospitals telling me that there was no way that that insurance would ever pay for it. Um, but I was able to have uh, a secondary insurance um, last year that uh, enabled me to have it. I'm just curious, like, what is what's the cost of something like that? It it really depends. Um, out of pocket, like if if you don't have insurance mm-hmm. to pay for it. Um, depending on what procedure you get and where you get it, um, you're, you can, I had the vertical sleeve gastrectomy VSG, um, that out of pocket is around 25 to $30,000. Wow. Yeah. And if you look at what they bill insurance, I mean, that's a lot more. They bill about 60,000 to the insurance, but, but now some people will travel to Mexico. I was just going to ask you that. Did you consider going to Mexico? Well, um, the travel costs going there, the potential, right. what if I have a complication, can I get it addressed here? Right. Um, but certainly, I mean, I, I know people that have went to Mexico and gotten the same surgery, you know, for three or $4,000. Mm. So definitely uh, a cost savings there. Um, but, then, it, but then I've heard stories about, like, people who go to Mexico to have procedures like Botox or something like that, and they come back and can't feel their face because they were injected with cement or something. Right. <laughs> There's always that worry yeah. that you're not getting the same um, rigorous, uh, rigorously uh, uh, 
governed care that we have here in the states, right. and uh, so that's really why I never considered that. Though I do know people, do know people that have went down there to get it, and they they've been successful with it. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, and when I got when I had this uh, secondary insurance for a while, I was unsure if they would cover it, but the policy ended up covering it, um, and you know I wasn't about to let that slip out of my hands. Awesome. So, have you always felt like you were fat? Yes, uh, mostly. Um, you know, as a, as a boy growing up, I was. I remember wearing the husky pants and stuff, the the big boy sizes. Um, but I really didn't pack on a lot of weight um, until after high school. Uh, maybe going into my senior year, I started getting heavier, um, and I coincide that with working in fast food my senior year of high school also. Um, but I really didn't start piling on the pounds. Uh, well, even after high school, well into maybe after college, because then I had my first um, office job. It was sedentary. I had more money than I knew what to do with, and I liked food. So. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a perfect storm there. It really was, yeah. So is that where you feel like that was the first time you went from being you know, like obese to morbidly obese, maybe? I think, I think so, um, because in high school and in even my time at Western Kentucky University, which is a hill, they call it the hill, the hilltoppers, it literally is a hill, you know, there's a lot of walking and it's it's hard walking. Um, and so I managed okay when I was in school. Um, looking back now, you know, I don't know how in the world that happened, but I wasn't as large back then and my mobility hadn't been affected yet by the size. I was still young, so. <laughs> so after you got out of college and got your first job, I mean, did you like cook at home, or were you mainly like ordering out, or? Um, a little bit of everything. I did like to cook. I like to cook, you know, the spaghetti and stuff like that. It's simple, easier meals right, at yeah. home. But also, you know, fast food was on the way home, um, and weekends, days off, uh, was ordering pizzas and stuff like that, and. When you're not, when you don't have activity to burn off some of the calories, then it all just gradually piles and piles, and then right. I wind up where I was at. Did um, you feel like the food was more just like part of a routine because, you know, you went to work, you stopped here, or you brought this, or did it was it a comfort thing to you, or? I think early on in life, um, in my 20s, when I did gain so much weight that it, at the time it was mostly from routine um and uh, then later though i think my food habits changed to maybe more of a comfort um answer to an and to, they were comforting and answer to depression um and things of that nature so i think it, the, it really shifted in why i ate over the years so um you know, it's, sometimes people think that obesity runs in families. Were were you the heaviest one in your family, or? Uh, yes, um, I was the heaviest. Um, the my father's side of the family, they, we tend to be on the larger side, not as large as I ever got, though. Uh, I mean, 
maybe to 300 pounds, you know, not definitely right. not 600 pounds. Um, so there's definitely some genetics at play there. Um, but on my mother's side, not so much. I mean, every family's got one or two, but, uh, you know, in general, the father, my father's side of the family is where I, I think I've picked up some of the genetics and that. So I was more genetically predisposed to hold the weight. Did your your um, family ever like say to you we're we're getting concerned about your weight? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, um, parents, uh, of course, they, they didn't like to talk about it too much because they know I didn't want to hear about it. But, right. But grandparents, especially, you know, uh, some cousins, aunts, um, they really uh, it was and it was all out of concern. You know, they just they wanted me to be healthy and and hang around and not uh, leave this world prematurely because of my weight. Um, which, you know, if I'd continued down that road for many more years would have been a um, something I would have had to really take a look at because I've, I've been relatively healthy, um, all things considered, for how big I got and carried that for so long that I didn't have a lot of complications from it. Um, but yeah, they, they were always concerned and, um, but, um, they also knew that they couldn't make me do something. It all, it had to be me. How did you react to that? Because I know that would be a sensitive topic for most people. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was sensitive, but I've got pretty thick skin. So it was just, yeah, I know, I know, you know, and I want to lose the weight or, you know, it just kind of you, you say what you have to to kind of pacify them till they say it again a few months later or something um did it kind of make you feel worse in some ways uh not really i mean i, I it never made me feel bad because I, I knew they had my best intentions at heart uh, right. i really i wish that because my grandmother my mom's mother uh, was one of the most adamant about it but it was it was purely uh, purely out of love and you know, she passed away um, from an infection in 2014, and um, I really wish that she could have been around to see me actually achieve, where, what? achieve what she wanted me to do. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think back to that moment um, when you got on the scale and you weighed the 650 pounds, what was that like? Well, it's depressing, um, but not a, and it should be more sobering, but you would think that that would be the wake-up call. Like, my gosh, you know, I'm 650 pounds. But I guess what really doesn't make it sink in as fast is because I was still mobile. I still worked. I still went to church. I still drove. Because you see so many people smaller than that on television um, who are bed-bound. They can't work. And... And so, even though the, the the scale told me a number, I didn't relate to those people as much. I did in a lot of ways. There's some people, you know, their journeys were very similar, but, you know, I just, I, I couldn't see myself in that position. If I had seen myself there, where a lot of those folks are, I think it may have been a little more sobering for me and, it's time, and say it's time to do something. Um, so... 
So, he, <clears throat> so you saw the number, and it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. This isn't good. <laughs> right. That's, that's kind of the way I approached it. But And then I would clean up my eating a little bit and get it down. And then I, I kind of found a kind of where my body kind of settled at. I was a 650 uh, in that range for a while. Then I kind of got down to 620 or so. Mm-hmm. And... But over the years, it seemed like no matter how much weight I lost, either doing Weight Watchers, low carb, keto, I would always kind of come back to the same number. And 585 is where I balanced out. And so when I tell people that I've lost almost 200 pounds, I will say that with confidence once I hit 385. I was 398 this morning. Yes, congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm imagining you looking at the scale today. Um you know, in comparison to the 650, how did it feel today when you saw those numbers? It's to see my weight to be in, in the threes, even though it's right on the porter of four, to see it to be in the, to see it to be in the fours was monumental because I hadn't seen that number in a long time. But to see it be in the threes and know I haven't been in the threes since college, you know, that, that felt good to see that. And I'm like, Okay, my goal weight right now, unless I change it, is around 235, 245. I, I know I'm never going to be a really thin person, and I don't want necessarily to be a really thin person. But but to know that, okay, now I'm, well, I'm only 150, 160 pounds away from my goal, mm. uh, as opposed to three and 400 pounds away from my goal before. Yeah, so, that, that was much different. I mean, did that make you, like... When you were that far away from your goal, did that make you feel like, well, this is kind of, like, unattainable? It did, because all I could think of was how um, how far away it was. Yeah. You know, they, they tell you when you lose weight that you should do it in baby steps and set small, smaller, more attainable goals. Right. But still, when you're that large, even at 585, you know, the only thing I could see was how far away... I was. Yeah. It didn't matter how much weight I lost. So did you find there was stigmas attached to being uh, morbidly obese? Like, Do you think people perceive you in a certain way just because of weight? I think people do. Um, and it, there may be also an attitude shift on my end because whether you acknowledge it or not, um, when you're larger you tend to be defensive. And it may not come across as mean defensive, like you're always, your walls are always up. Um, and you don't want to talk to people or see people. Um, I've, and, I, and I really don't call it ridicule. Um, by adults, I've really not been ridiculed. I've never experienced that. So that's something I can't, at least that I've heard. You know, I can't really relate. Uh, little kids will say anything. And the, they'll comment, and and I used to have the worst comeback. Like, I had a little boy um, about 20 years ago ask me why I was so big, and I said, it's because I ate the last little boy that asked me that. <laughs> and so, things like that, you know, I, to me it was funny, the boy cried. So, you know, I felt bad, but I'm like, things like that, you know, was my defense. Um, but um, this the, the, the stigmas really came in other ways, Um 
the restrictions that I face as a big guy, like going into restaurants and movie theaters and stuff. And Yeah, what, what are some of those things? Because I, I think people don't really think about that aspect of it. Um, but why would it be a problem in a movie theater or restaurant? Right, well, a lot of movie theaters don't have seats that arms raise. Um, if they're fixed, um, like... Um, the Corbin Theater, for example, their arms are, unless they've changed them, the last time I was there, the arms are fixed, so you can't raise them. Well, I could sit in the chair, but I would be badly bruised on both hips, on both sides, you know, after the movie. Um, and the same with, um, like you, and I would avoid opening nights on movies when the, the cinema would be crowded, because... Haven't helped me if somebody was, or the person next to me, if they were right next to me. Like if there was no empty seat beside me. Right. Um, and in restaurants, um, you know, if it was, if, it, if the chairs were just chairs with arms, sometimes they're really narrow. Like I still, even though I've lost a lot of weight, I still drive through a Starbucks and look at their little chairs outside on their patio and laugh. Because mm. I mean, they're, they're like 16 inches wide or something. And, you know, I'm like, that's a no. And I'll probably never sit in those chairs. Um, but in dealing with chairs like that, booths, love to sit in booths at restaurants, couldn't do it. Now I can. Now I can, I can sit comfortably in a chair with arms. Um, doesn't bother me. I don't worry about that anymore. Um, and so those things are, are that's stuff like that is so life-changing to me to not have to worry about those things anymore. What about your social life? Social life? I've never really had much of one. <laughs> Do you uh, think that's like partly because of the weight, or I think it was uh, for a long time because I just kind of stayed sheltered and uh, stayed in and didn't. Well, I didn't really have the energy to go anywhere and do things with people or go to people's houses. And if I got invited somewhere, um, my initial instinct was, do I need to bring my chair? Because I, I carry a folding chair that's made for big people, and I still do. It's in the back of my truck. Um, but you know, I would worry about going places and just having a place to sit, and not and and not so much that I couldn't sit somewhere. I didn't want to break their furniture, <laughs> so but so I didn't go out a lot. I would just politely decline a lot of invitations, and that was earlier on. But now I just find myself so busy, other than going to see my girlfriend and visiting with her every weekend. Uh, you know, spend the day with her. I don't really, I still really don't get out much. Um, did you ever have any furniture break or anything like that? Um, not, uh, some people comically talk about how my, how they break chairs and stuff. I've only had one chair in my life actually fold under me, and that was a cheap metal folding chair at church, and it wasn't, and this was about 10 years ago, and it wasn't even because I was just sitting there, it's because I was actually twisting around doing some work i was vi putting vinyl on a, on the church van lettering the church van and um i was just twisting around too much moving and then it just pancaked on me but that was the only time i've ever actually broken anything but that's that one time's enough and so the fear's there mm -hmm. that you'll do it because if i broke a steel chair what a, what good is that antique wood chair going to do under me right. so your self-esteem um have you still always felt, you know, pretty good about yourself despite um, feeling like, you know, I need to lose some weight, but mm -hmm. have you still remained positive? I've tried to always be positive. Um, I've tried not to let, um, 
let the self-esteem issue because I mean there you think about yourself all the time but I try not to let that govern uh, my life and keep me from doing things usually like going in stores and going out places if if anything kept me from doing it it's because I, I just I wouldn't do it because I knew how bad I would feel physically by the time I got done with it whether walking my knees my back you know um, so it was never really a self-esteem issue with me, um, more than just fear of how I would feel physically um, when it came to a lot of things. So the turning point um, was that. I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> we we all we yeah. have the similar questions in our mind. Yeah. Um, but what was the turning point? Um, you know, that I, I, getting approved for the insurance. I'm sure. But um, what was it that made you think, okay, after all these years, 20 whatever years of getting turned down, I'm going to apply again? Well, I really, in November of 2020, um, my life took a turn for the better in other ways uh, besides the weight. I met this girl. Oh. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And <laughs> what can you tell us about that? She is... Not only the most beautiful soul I've ever known, she is just wonderful and fully supportive. Her and her whole family is, and what I, I fell in love with her. She fell in love with me as a big guy. My weight was never an issue. My job was never an issue. Um, but I could see pretty quickly that she was the one. All right, just Aww. so just so she knows if she's listening, we didn't force him to say that. <laughs> That's right. But I was not. I was not, I was not waterboarded or anything to say that. So, yes. <laughs> although we are keeping him ca- captive in the van, right? We won't let you out until you say what we tell you. Uh, but having um, met her and seeing that, you know, I want a life with her, and hopefully with her, and you know, and and that's. Um, it just it inspired me to improve a lot of things about myself, and I'm I'm I, I said I, to myself I've got to get out of this rut, and so pretty much immediately after I met her I started losing weight. Wow! And it and I that was in November I didn't have surgery till till June, and so I lost um, around forty or fifty pounds between November and June just on my own because I had to do some of that for for insurance. I still needed to see at least a small progression of weight loss um, over a course of a few months, but but I had already started that weight loss before I even applied with the clinic. So did you talk to her about you know your thoughts that you're maybe going to have surgery? I did. Um, I brought that up. Um, in early February or late January of last year when um, I, had, I applied for it and uh, then we talked more about it once I got <clears throat> got the first appointment day to go meet them um, and she she was fully supportive of it um, she she wants me to be around she wants me to be healthy and um, yeah that was her concern also and it was never an issue that we brought up we never really talked about weight or anything but um, she was happy that I was pursuing that, and she was fully supportive of it, as was her family and my family. And um, 
and then as we as I progressed going through all the steps to get surgery, which was at the end of June, um, she was right there the whole time. And then uh, during, she took me to my surgery date and stayed with me for a few days after and then came back a few days after that and stayed for a few days to make sure that I was recovered or awesome. recovering well. And so she, she, she's been truly an angel. So tell us about the surgery. Um, you know, what does it entail and what are the risks that you were told? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, the risks uh, are the, pretty much the same with any uh, major surgery because it is a major surgery. It's done laparoscopically, so there's minimal, you know, entry points to the body. Um, it's not like they're having to cut you open. When I first started looking into the surgery a long time ago, it was an open surgery where you were cut, cut sternum to belly button. Right. Um, but thankfully now, laparoscopic technology has really evolved, and um, the surgery itself was relatively painful, or pain, painless, I should say, painless. Um, I really didn't have any post-surgery pain, uh, except for a gas um, that you have any anytime you have laparoscopic surgery mm-hmm. um and that just dissipates over a couple of days but as far as the incisions go i was fine um the risks um obviously there's always the risk you might not wake up um, especially as a bigger person anesthesia is a, is a scary thing um and uh, but they assess that they they look at your heart they look at your pulmonary function they look uh, at a at a myriad of things that could potentially go wrong yeah so tell us uh, tell the listeners about that a little it's it's not like you just go apply one day and they approve you and you have surgery next week right no not at all you, you would get it a little faster if you were self-pay like if you were just going to go in and write a check for it it still wouldn't be that fast because they're going to do their clearances and make right. sure you're healthy enough to have the surgery so you have to get your heart cleared yes your... there was cardiac clearance there was psychiatric clearance i had to go to the talk with a psychiatrist um there was a pulmonary clearance there was upper gi x-rays and i had to have a scope um so there was several um barriers i had to pass to get before they would even submit for approval and it would be the same thing with um self-pace you just wouldn't have to do the the time lapse like the the wait uh, because insurance wants you to wait once a month for three months and show a weight loss at the end of those three months prior to your start. So, you know, if, you, if you're paying out of pocket, you could potentially knock a few months off of it, but you'd still be looking at at least a couple of months worth of clearances to go through. Um, and then they'll set a, set a surgery date. Were you ever afraid of the, having the surgery or were you just for sure like this is what I want to do no matter the risk I really because I was so familiar uh, looking into the surgery and wanting it for so long initially it was gastric bypass but I had the sleeve surgery so the process to get to that point to the point of surgery is the same for either Um, it's just a different surgery Um, but I really didn't have any fears about it my only fear was that I would get down to the surgery date and for some reason I would get denied again like I would have went through all this work for, wow. from February to June and um, all of a sudden now there's a reason why they can't do it 
And so I wasn't, honestly, I went through pre-op, all my clearances. I wasn't convinced that I was having the surgery until they was rolling me back to the <laughs> OR. Well, um, with COVID and the pandemic, um, I'm sure there might have been a chance of our... Oh, yeah, there, there was always a chance that, that they could just up and cancel elective surgeries. Right. Um, and so, thankfully, that didn't happen, and they started, they did start buckling down a little bit more after my surgery, though. Um, they didn't really fully cancel surgeries, but I think they limited how many they were doing for a while. So, I know a question that comes to mind, and I've heard other people be asked this, um, if you could lose the weight... So you had to lose, you were losing, you know, 50 pounds or whatever before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could do that, why didn't you just continue on that path versus the surgery? Right. That, um, the, the tool of the surgery, when used properly, can go a long way in that. Um, it is so easy to eat a little bit more than you should have and now you're all of a sudden over your calories or you're over um, your carbs or whatever your your diet of choice is you know prior to your when you're losing weight the the surgery is 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 just a tool and people can't look at it as a magic pill as a magic um, spell to be cast on you to lose weight it is a tool and all it does for me is restrict how much I can eat um, I still I can I can eat I don't really have an intolerance to anything, um, but I have to be wise about what I eat. I have to get my protein in. Um, Which is how much? How much I, protein? They want me in my size because I, I have a large skeletal, skeletal muscle mass and all those things. They, they want me to eat around 100 grams of protein a day. Which is a lot, especially when you can only eat four ounces of food at a time. Yeah, I um, see where that might be. Yeah, so you have to supplement with shakes and protein powders and stuff like that to get it all in. Right. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that that is hard to do, and I don't get it in most days. Um, What's pro- the most protein food? Like, what are some high protein foods for the listeners? Um, chicken is probably your single highest protein. Um, I eat a lot of chicken. I eat a lot of eggs. Um, I do eat a lot of bacon and stuff like that. Basically, I follow, for the most part, a dirty keto diet, which has some carbs in it. I will eat a sweet every now and then. Um, But I always get my protein in first. The the only thing I I really try to stay away from is bread. And it's not because I can't have it and I can't process it. It's because it fills you up so fast. And... Once you once you feel that full feeling, you you there's nothing you can do. Not gonna do about be getting it. that hundred grams of protein in. I right. Imagine. I mean, if you, if you do your stand up all night drinking shakes, I mean it's <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you uh, uh, eating like multiple meals a day, like more? Than yeah, you you're pretty much constantly eating yeah. to get that kind of protein in. Um, I still eat basically three main meals a day um, like most people do but they they will tell you that it's easier if you break that into like five or six smaller meals Um, but a meal for me it may look like I'm eating two or a couple more meals a day because depending on the size of the meal it may take me an hour and a half to eat a meal Mm. if it's a if it's an average size plate of food you know Um, so do you still eat out I do. All right. So give us, like, some example of where you could go and what you would eat. Okay. Um, 
one of my most routine thing is breakfast because um, I always start pro- day with protein. I hit a hit a if I don't cook at home, I hit up Dairy Queen. Okay. Um, and but I only get I only get bre- uh, uh, bacon and eggs in the morning. That's it. I don't get anything else. Or if I get anything else, it's a coffee or an ice water. Um, and then lunch, uh, lunch or dinner can vary. Um, I may have chili if I go out to Wendy's. I may have chili or something, um, or a grilled chicken patty. Um, or if I go to Arby's, one of the things I've really found that I like from Arby's is the uh, buffalo chicken sliders. Um, and I didn't even like buffalo chicken. I didn't, I didn't like the flavor before, but now I love it. <laughs> so your flavor, your taste changed too with the surgery. Sure. But I'll get the buffalo chicken, uh, one buffalo chicken slider, which is just a, basically a chicken strip. Right. And you take yeah. the bread off. I, I just ask them I'm without the bun. Okay. And so you just get in the bowl and then get a side of the the ranch that they put on it, and that's my meal, and it's delicious. But it's chicken. I'm getting a lot of protein with it. Um, and uh, for dinner, you know, sometimes it's repeat. Sometimes it's uh, something from Mexican. Mexican is easy to get a lot of protein with. You just have to stay away from the beans and rice and tortillas. <laughs> so, which is the good stuff. But, Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, how has life changed for you now that you've lost um, 200 pounds plus? Yeah, uh, it, it's changed in, gosh, so many ways. Um, I Before, I always kind of felt uh, like I was shackled to my desk because it, it honestly just hurt too much to walk anywhere, go any, to do anything during the day for work. But now if I need to go to my courthouse, which is only a block and a half away, you know, it, it doesn't bother me to walk up there to go to court meetings, go to city council or school board meetings. It doesn't bother me to go to those. I can sit okay when I go to them. I don't have to worry about chairs. I can walk up to the coffee shop and get coffee when I want to. Um, I can travel. I've traveled more in this last year than I have in the last 10 years. In October, I went to Disney for a week. Wow. and. Aside from the cost of that, which was, <laughs> uh, but but you know, and, and I did rent a scooter while I was there because, you know, it forty some years it's a lot of walking and forty some years of carrying. So well, not forty years, but at least thirty years of carrying, a lot of extra weight around takes a toll. Especially ten plus years of being over six six hundred pounds, mm-hmm. my knees were just shot, and so there was no way I did walk as much as I could. Um, but I, I, I had a scooter, and thankfully I was able to enjoy Disney without the knee pain and stuff. I had to deal with that. But uh, my mobility, being able to go places, um, and even though, I, yeah, I can't eat the way I used to, um, that, then that can be frustrating. I, I don't want to gloss over that part, that there are days that I just want a big sandwich. Mm-hmm. There are days that I want to eat a Big Mac. And I can, I can eat those things, but I can only eat part of those things. And sometimes that's all I need to satisfy those cravings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going across the street to the subway across from my office, that is a, that's a no-go. Yeah. So, like it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but so there's, there's, there's mm-hmm. good things, there's frustrating things. I mean, weight loss doesn't just continually fall off. It happen, you know, there's plateaus, there's stalls. Um, first one came at three weeks, second about three months, and then the whole month of December pretty much was a stall. I didn't lose anything, and then here in the last couple of weeks, it's opened back up again. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and it's not, sometimes it's food related that causes it, 
um, what you're eating or what you're not eating enough of, if you're not eating enough protein. But, um, you know, when it, when it happens, your body, the best way to, to think about it is your body has to catch up and stabilize. And then it's like, okay, you're not really starving, so, okay, we can lose a little bit more. But then there'll be another plateau down the road. I'll have to, but I, you know, when you know those things are coming, it does soften the blow a little bit. Because um, when you think that I am eating so little, but I'm not losing weight, I haven't lost weight in three weeks. You think there's something wrong, but yeah. no, there, it's it's just your body. It's it's how it's processing things. So, so do you have any fear that you're going to, you know? relapse and gain the weight back as some people with surgery sure and some people have some people are very successful keeping it off um the the thing that keeps me confident that this is it for me um is that it's the it's it's provided me the freedom and the the answers to so many problems that i've had like just been able to move and do more right. and live a life that now allows me to be active and that alone will go a long way uh, if I sat at home and did nothing but just snack because you can snack yourself right back into into the high weight um, and people do they may not be able to eat a lot at one time but they they can still put the wrong things in their mouth and um, so I've learned what I can eat, what I, what I tolerate pretty well, um, and combine that with the, kind of the newfound life that I have and the freedom I've, I found physically for myself. It's not something I would let myself fall back into. There's, I've heard, I used to hear it all the time, and I thought it was the silliest thing to say, but truly there's nothing that tastes as good as how I feel right now. So this is the happiest time of your life. It's the happiest in many ways. Absolutely. That's awesome. Wow. So for people out there listening that, like I said in the beginning, myself included, you know, that are putting this weight loss as a resolution, mm-hmm. um, you know, what advice do you have? Find something that's sustainable, that um, <clears throat> that you can live with, day in and day out that's one of the things about hardcore keto for example it is strict i mean if you if you put your body into ketosis you're, you'll burn the weight off but if you have just that one piece of candy or a drink of a full sugar soda all of a sudden you know, you're out of ketosis and now your cravings are going to go wild and you you won't be able to, to satisfy it uh, so that's finding something that's sustainable like that. And the thing that works the best for, for me anytime I've lost weight, and this was something I learned in Weight Watchers years ago, is journaling your food. And back then you had to you had to use the books, the little books you bought from them. Mm-hmm. But now you've got like MyFitnessPal, you have apps that are right. carb count, or you have different apps out there that help you track that. And they make it so simple. They've got every restaurant. They've got pretty much every product. You scan a barcode and it logs it. Um, so you use that? I use it constantly. Okay. It also tracks my weight loss, but it tracks my food intake. And between that and my my watch tracks my, my activity during the day. And, you know, between using those tools, um, I think, is a better recipe 
for anyone to lose weight to, to keep track of what you're eating so you kind of have a it's in it's in your mind how much you're eating um, find something that works for you every day not just five days a week because some people look at diets like that I'll I'll do I'll do this hardcore for five days and then I have a cheat weekend right. that cheat weekend turns into weekend and cheat months and cheat years mm-hmm. so find something that's sustainable and everybody's different um, not everybody can do low carb some people that would throw their bodies into chaos if they did low carb um, so you just have to find what, what works for you and definitely always consult your your doctor or practitioner whoever you see before you do anything like that so what's next for you what's next um, hopefully um, putting a ring on it at some point <laughs> that's no secret she knows it's coming she just doesn't know when or where so i had to keep her on her toes (laughs) so ashley honey i love you (laughs) we didn't didn't make them pay they they didn't pay me they didn't they didn't threaten my life to say that or anything so but that's that's next on my horizon but we might threaten it to tell us how and when this is going to happen. <laughs> well, that could be a later episode. <laughs> All right. You heard that here. All right. Kat, any uh, last thoughts on all this? Well, I mean, I just find this very motivational. I think people this time of the year are focusing on, you know, trying to improve. It's been a difficult pandemic. And uh, I think it's easy to lose hope that, um, you know, things are possible. And hearing your story certainly, I think, is going to be very inspirational and motivational for the listeners. And I'm so happy and so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, It's amazing. Thank you. I I appreciate you guys asking me to do this. This is wonderful. Yes, and I can't be happier for you and Ashley whenever it happens and where <laughs> I'll keep I'll believe me, I'll keep everybody everybody informed when it does. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. On that note I just wanna say thanks for coming by and Thank you. Telling, telling us your story. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean lots of stuff in there that I haven't thought about. You know, uh, and I really commend you for the progress that you've made and wish you the best and making plenty more. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, everyone. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Take care. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com. Or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.